1: This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic.
2: Welcome to the putback on SNY.TV. I'm Ian Begley, NBA reporter for SNY, and I am lucky to be joined today by two passionate Nick fans, Nick content creators, Nick reporters. They wear many hats. They're very talented. They're opinionated. We have Ashley Nicole Moss from Sports Illustrated, recently named Forbes Top 30 Under 30, but you didn't need that accreditation to know that Ashley (laughs) is, uh, is special. We appreciate you joining us. And then CP, Nick Fan TV, CEO, CFO, everything president whatever you want to call it gm he runs the show you guys know exactly who he is but we're going to talk knicks today we're going to get into a little bit everything you probably know already that they've won two straight strong defensive performances from this nick team against atlanta and against cleveland and it comes after tom thibodeau changes his rotation shortens his rotation Uh, cam reddish derrick rose and fournier out for the moment miles mcbride in Quentin Grimes remains in, and the Knicks have played pretty well defensively the last two games with this new rotation. CP, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the moves and what you've seen. Yeah,
1: I've I've got to start with Quentin Grimes. You know, last night, 23 points on 5 of 7 shooting from downtown. Uh, He was brilliant on the offensive end, and it was really encouraging to see that his three-point shot is coming around because that's also a strength of his. But defensively, it was quite notable to watch his effort against Trey Young, who is the engine for that Hawks unit, especially with no Jajonte Murray in that game. I thought Quentin Grimes, watching him operate, and maneuver around the Hawks' pick and roll and really sticking with Trae Young, making it hard for him on every pass, every drive, every shot. Quentin Grimes was very impressive in that regard. Two block shots last night, along with two assists. He was very good in putting the ball on the floor as well, as well very aggressive. He had a quick first step, so he looks like he's uh, recovering from that foot injury quite well. And so, once again, Quentin Grimes' performance was quite notable last night, and he's improving the Knicks' defense in its biggest weakness, and that is at the point of attack. That is where the Knicks need to shore up that defense, and there's no question it helps Jalen Brunson. You can hide Jalen Brunson in certain regards on on less mobile wings, and then you can have Quentin Grimes there, who can really be a disruptor. So I like what I saw from him last night.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, I'm a defensive girl. I love a good defensive unit. And, you know, Quentin Grimes spoke about how it took him a while to kind of feel like himself again and he's starting to turn that corner and, you know, really get into the groove of things. Um, what happens is is that I feel like, you know. Defensively, CP spoke on that, hit all those points. But I think offensively is also something that I'm really excited to see because right now the Knicks are in this like period of discovery, right? The rotation is shortened for a multitude of different reasons. And this is a time you need everybody to step up and contribute where they can. You know, you can't always rely on a Julius, you can't always rely on a Jalen Brunson. RJ Barrett's been very up and down as of late. And then, like I said, the rotation is shortened for a multitude of other reasons. So guys that can go ahead and help you get points on that board need to go ahead and do that. So it's nice to know that you can rely on outside of those usual suspects to go ahead and make that happen. Now, yes, I know a lot of people will say, oh, the Hawks were at a deficit. The Hawks didn't have this person. All true. All facts. Not going to take that away. But we've seen the Knicks. Lose to bench units before, and especially with how up and down the Knicks have been playing and this kind of uncertainty that lies ahead with this team, you have to get the wins when you can get them, and you have to go ahead and get those wins at home when you can get them, and that's what they did last night, so I'm not mad at it.
2: Yeah, and look, this team has to win games, so you take wins wherever you can get it. We talked a lot about, you know, the heightened scrutiny internally on this club right now, Leon, from Leon Rose on down. Uh, I think owner James Dolan wants results this year. He wants to see something tangible where you can say this thing is moving in the right direction. So Knicks need to win games right now. They're winning games, and we'll see where it goes from there. But a couple of players out of the rotation, one being Cam Reddish, and there's uh, an interesting kind of scenario buzz around him because, you know, we know that teams in the past, ever since the Knicks dealt for Cam, right after they dealt for him even, they were talking to the Knicks about, hey, can we get them? What do you guys think of them? We're interested. The Lakers obviously had heavy interest. The Bucs and the Heat have checked in with the Knicks during Reddish's Knicks tenure. And now with Reddish out of the rotation, you know, what's next, right? I'm sure the Knicks are going to field calls on Reddish. Sure, plenty of teams are going to be interested. Uh, what do they do? do? they Are they desperate enough to get off of one of the veterans? Were they attached Cam Reddish to that deal? Uh, just an interesting dynamic there. But Ashley, what do you think, what do you think things went wrong with Cam Reddish in his Knicks tenure? At least at this point,
3: I honestly have no idea. And I mean, CP and I have spoken about this on Knicks Fan TV all of last <laughs> season. I mean, I'm very confused as to what the situation with Cam Reddish is. He's willing to play. When we see him on the floor, he's doing everything he can can he can on both sides of the court to go ahead and be a factor. I don't know if it's – Tibbs does not know how to go ahead and implement him into this rotation, if there's something that happened behind the scenes that we're not privy to that makes him, you know, not have the best relationship with the coaching staff, which is why he doesn't, you know, get that playing time. But it's very baffling to me. And, again, we remember that he went through that groin situation and he was dealing with that. But it's very concerning and baffling to me that you have a player who wants to play – who has said multiple times he doesn't want to be traded, that he hasn't requested a trade. Take that with a grain of salt. You know, players say that all the time and behind the scenes, they're wheeling and dealing. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And more importantly, is healthy to play when you're at a disadvantage with your rotation to begin with. I really don't understand and have never understood what the situation with Cam Reddish is, why you would acquire a player that you had no plans on using in any capacity and when you do and he gives you results you go ahead and you put him right back on the bench I don't get it I never have gotten it so I don't know if I had that answer
2: Yeah, CP one of your tweets last night I feel like you put the the tinfoil Knicks fan tv hat on and you were saying there's got to be something else behind this Cam Reddish situation what's your number one conspiracy theory in your mind what's (laughs) going on
1: Yeah, there's just a disconnect there, Ian. I think the whole Cam Reddish situation just speaks to the misalignment between the front office and the head coach and Tom Thibodeau because the question still remains, what was the plan for Cam Reddish when the Knicks decided to spend a first-round draft pick, a conditional pick, as well as sending Kevin Knox to Atlanta to acquire Cam Reddish? Was there a developmental plan? Was the plan to ultimately flip that asset of Cam Reddish to another team for uh, a better package. Right now, it doesn't seem like the Knicks will, will will get that. And so, for a team that is is meddling in in this mediocre middle phase, I believe that the Knicks should be in talent acquisition mode and talent development mode. And you have a kid here who is, albeit very inconsistent, uh, he's shown flashes that he can get, that he can get it done in spots the memphis game the oklahoma city game he had a good west coast trip with the knicks both in a starter and in a reserve capacity and so i just didn't understand what the plan was for cam reddish and now it just seems like they're in this zero-sum game where he's not in the rotation at all you have a mm-hmm. six eight wing who's capable on the defensive end who's shown you some bright spots on the offensive end for a team that needs talent it's just very confusing. And that's not to take away from, it, from what McBride can bring to this team because we saw last night is, as an example of his defensive skill set is much needed on this team. But it's just very confusing to see that Cam, who went from starter to reserve, is now zero facing zero minutes with this team and ultimately on his way out based on reports.
2: Right. A couple quick points. I mean, Ashley, you hit it. Like, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know practice we don't know you know film sessions we have no idea um but i also want to say that going back to when they traded for Cam Reddish you know Tom Thibodeau obviously had a big voice then he still has a big voice in transactions although i think it's a little bit uh not as big now as it was then but i would say that Atlanta really wanted Quentin Grimes in that deal i was told they really really wanted Grimes in a package in return for Cam Reddish but Tom Thibodeau was among the nick people that said no uh, we're holding on to Quentin Grimes. We're not. We're not trading him. We're not losing him in this deal. And I do think that Thibodeau was not as high on Reddish as other people who were involved in the trade and who ultimately got the trade done. And that bore itself out with the way he used Cam Reddish. But right now, this kind of is like a, a bellwether in terms of looking at where this Nick franchise is. Is it a team where look, you play young players and you try to develop? young players and you see what you can get out of young players because cam reddish i mean plenty of people around the league who i respect say he's the most talented player on this nick team like and it's not particularly that close but talent doesn't always equal production i understand that and so if you're the knicks are you willing to give a player like that rope and allow him to potentially flourish on your watch or do you need to do what's best night in and night out to win games to me clearly right now They're in uh, win tonight, win tomorrow, win the next couple weeks mode. The Knicks are because Tom Thibodeau, he's not benching Derrick Rose if he's not in a position where he knows he has to win games. So I don't think he's benching Cam. I don't think he's benching Derrick Rose if they were kind of in a place where, hey, we're willing to develop, guys. We're willing to take a couple losses in the name of player development. The Knicks aren't there, and it it just kind of makes you wonder what the next steps are and what the ultimate direction is for this franchise.
3: Which is which is a frustration, and I'm, we'll get into Thibodeau a little bit later, but it's a frustration because the regular season is when you go ahead and you start experimenting and molding with those younger guys. You don't want to start that in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying the Knicks are going to be a playoff team, a playoff contender. With the way it look right now and the way you know the rest of the teams in the East look, it's probably not a possibility, but... Anything can happen. It is still only a quarter of a way into the season. But you don't wait until April to start using guys and messing with those rotations and, you know, being the chemist, if you will. You start giving them minutes. You start giving them looks, especially, again, going back to the point that both CP and you and myself have brought up. The rotation is at a deficit right now. You don't have guys that are normally in the rotation in it right now. You don't know what's going to happen with Evan Fournier. You don't know what's going to happen with Derrick Rose. You can't go ahead and run Julius Randle ragged. We saw what happened after the All-Star break last time, or the season before, he was exhausted come around. You have to go ahead and give guys who are healthy and willing to play. And when they do play, they go ahead and give you productivity. You have to give them the minutes. The ego thing has to be put aside. And if Tibbs can't do it, then somebody else has to, because you can't function like
0: this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Yeah. And again, I just think it speaks to the the misalignment and uh, of the misalignment of of goals. You know, you have Tom Thibodeau, who's fighting for his job. He's pushing for wins. The Knicks are currently sitting in ninth in the East. Yes, that is playing contention. But where does that really put this team long term? And to me, it just puts them back into no man's land in, in a mediocre situation. That is why I say with a player like a Cam Reddish, They should have been using that time over the last few years to really get this kid some playing time and really evaluate what they have in this kid. Can he maximize his potential? Can he reach his full ceiling that, as Ian said, a lot of scouts and people around the league believe that he has, the talent that is Cam Reddish. The Knicks, to me, in their battle to win, in their focus to push for wins in in a crowded East for a playing spot, to me, it's it's foolhardy. This team needs Mm. to be peeling it back. And they need to continue to evaluate their young talent. There's a lot of young players on the Knicks right now playing. And, and give credit to Tom Thibodeau. I, I like that they removed Derrick Rose from the rotation. But again, the Cam situation from the time that they acquired him has just been puzzling to me.
2: It'll be interesting to see what's next for Cam Reddish. Again, I, I assume the Lakers are going to be in touch and, and have some interest. That I assume many other teams will as well. It's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do at the deadline with Cam, if anything, and how they proceed there because, again, they gave up, Kevin Knox gave up a protected first for Cam Reddish. And if you just kind of dump him, it's, a, it's questionable. But we're going to get off Cam for a second. We're going we're to go to Matt Spenley. Matt, I think, has a fan question for us.
1: I do. What's going on, guys? All right. This is tied to the questions that we brought up with the rotation that are ongoing with the Knicks right now. But this is specifically about Deuce McBride, his role in the rotation. Right, I don't so this think comes from. We have from...
2: Matt. So we're going to go oh. on to a couple of the players we were talking about earlier, guys. Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose, the future there. I mean, I, I've been talking about it for a while. I think even going back to the offseason when the Knicks signed Jalen Brunson, there were people internally who had concerns about the Fournier-Brunson backcourt from a defensive perspective. And then, you know, in those weeks and, and in the, the offseason, the Knicks were talking to teams about Evan Fournier's deal. So wouldn't be surprised at all if they continue to have those discussions. The thing is, you're not playing Evan okay. Fournier right now. so. Why would a team go ahead and, and give annoying. up some of the Who's making a good amount of money who's not even in but, your rotation? Okay. So, uh, again, speaks to kind of a, a misalignment because sometimes if a franchise has a Got player it. that okay. they're trying to move, the coach will okay. give the player minutes, spot minutes or regular minutes, just so people around the league are under the impression that he's in the rotation. And, you know, they can't just give him away. But this is not the case with Evan Fournier. Uh, anyway, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes with both him and Rose and CP. Derek Rose, what do you think his value is around the league right now?
1: I think it's it's likely low, Ian, based on his lack of production this season as well as the injury concerns. It, it's hard to to see a team going out there and investing um, in, in a midseason trade for Derek Rose or investing a lot. You know, maybe a, a late second-round pick if you're lucky. But uh, nevertheless, Derek Rose, you know, look, Getting the Knicks to the playoffs was a big accomplishment for him. He was a huge catalyst in getting them there. I felt like Julius set the table in that 2019-2020 uh, year, and Derek Rose really took them home. But uh, nevertheless, he, he's just not the same guy. He doesn't seem to have uh, much of a burst left. His production has fallen off. And so, rightfully so, he's out of the Knicks rotation. But I, I can't see a team out there investing significant asset or two uh, to bring Derek Rose in. I, I think this is going to be another low-value deal for the Knicks.
2: Uh, I think there'll be a contender or two out there that's going to have interest, maybe somebody that needs a ball handler off the bench. And if you get off of Derrick Rose, you get off of Fournier, you look back at that offseason after they made the playoffs, and then all those guys will be gone, uh, whether it's via trade or a uh, wave. And it's just you look back at that offseason and you have a lot of questions. Uh, Ashley, the next move for you, if you are running the Knicks, what are you doing between now? And early February, they trade that line.
3: you got to find somebody that is healthy and willing to play on both sides of the ball. The Knicks need defense. They need offense. It's not going to be a superstar of a Donovan Mitchell that has come and gone. You're going to have to find a role player that fits in with the guys that you currently have. You know, I think one of the issues with this Knicks team is that I still don't know if everybody knows what their role is. You look at other teams, they know who their closer is, they know who their star is, they know who that guy is. That seems to fluctuate night in and night out with the Knicks, which is why we're kind of riding this wave of mediocrity right now. When you don't have clear, concise roles, you don't have clear, concise vision of what your goal is as a team, and that's just not out on the guys on the court. Clearly, that's, you know, a situation within the coaching staff, within the organization as well. It does not help the team with, you know, vision. It does not help the team night in and night out. It does not help the team battle. You need to bring somebody there who's going to be an immediate piece that's going to gel with what's there and allow those roles to be clear and concise. You know, I read something the other day and you know, Bradley Beal said there was no trade market for him, and that's why he ended up staying in Washington. I find that hard to believe. I believe if Bradley Beal said he wanted, you know, he wanted out, things would have been moving and shaking. You're not going to get a Bradley Beal, though. You're not going to get a Donovan Mitchell, but you can get a role player that's going to fit in with what you already have going on and can possibly make a huge difference. And that's what's needed. Who that is, how you can get them, not quite sure, but you need someone within that scope.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how they approach the deadline. I think if the Knicks remain around 500, they continue to show you that they're competitive, mostly night in and night out, and they avoid those blowout losses like they've had uh, more than a few of earlier in this year. I think everybody's safe. Like, there's not going to be any scrutiny or, or speculation about Tom Thibodeau. There's not going to be speculation about Leon Rose and everybody over there if they can remain kind of around 500, a couple games above 500. And then you come to the deadline. And I think at that point, I agree with you. Actually, I don't think they make a big move at the deadline because they know that they have this offseason coming up to take that big swing. But eventually, I think that big swing has to come because the Knicks, uh, Leon Rose, William Wesley, I think they were brought here in part to acquire a star. And so I think that's still on the agenda. Uh, the all-star that they do have right now, Julius Randle, a All-NBA player a couple of years ago, and he, he had an All-NBA throwback night Uh, last night I think his line was was points, 34.17 rebounds five assists no turnovers uh a historic night for the Knicks I think he was the first guy in at least three decades to do that for the franchise just your thoughts I know we've talked about Julius so much guys but actually your thoughts on Julius in general where he sits now and, and where he sits in the future with this team
3: CP knows this is a part of this is a point of contention for me and Knicks fans because I am a Julius Randle fan I believe in Julius Randle and last season I said listen players they they go through highs and lows and sometimes it's very hard to recreate the magic of an incredible season the following season sometimes things happen in the off season that make that hard to do what ha- what's happening on the court makes that hard to do and I think that was the situation for Julius and I think it's spilled over into his relationship with the fans. And one thing about Julius that you can say, whether you like him or you don't like him, whether you're a fan or not, is that he puts in the work in the offseason. He comes in and he's physically ready to play. He's physically ready to work. But I think he also did that in a mental and a spiritual way as well. He came into this season completely different, looking to turn over a new leaf to put that disaster of a season behind him. He's engaging with the fans. He's a little bit more lighthearted. He's not letting things get to him as much as he did. He still has that edge about him, but that's just who he is as a player. And the results are there. So I think that for me, if you can get this Julius Randle, that's all you can ask for. And whether or not you want him on the Knicks or whether or not you think that all the Knicks are doing is increasing his trade value, that's a totally different conversation. But for me personally, I've always been a fan of Randle. I think he's an important piece to this team when he's at his best the team is at their best. And when he's at their best, there's so much room for what this team can do. And I think people just have to remember that sometimes, just like in life, there's ups and there's downs, but all you can ask is for a player to come in and want to be different. And I think Julius did that. He did that in the first, the second season with the Knicks. He wrote that whole thing in the Players' Tribune, how he got off on the wrong foot and He made a bad impression, and it wasn't what Knicks fans expected, and they deserved more. And what did he do? He had an MIP season. And then it was a little bit of a downhill, and now he's back up. So I'm a fan. I enjoy what he's doing, and hopefully he can continue it for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I I can't speak – I'm not going to speak for everybody, but when he told the fans to STFU, um, (laughs) I just – I think at this point, wouldn't New Yorkers, like – appreciate that because we get did. That on the street like all the time and it's it didn't going me go about your day and i understand initially like getting mad and, and wanting to say it back to him but now i don't know it's kind of a, a new york thing if you're just walking around sometimes you'll bump into somebody you say it you keep walking whatever anyway uh as an aside cp where are you on number 30 trade 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 if
1: they can find a trade for julius randall they've got to peel it back and trade him look he had an outstanding All-NBA, all-star caliber night last night with 35.17 rebounds, five assists, no turnovers. Six of 12 from downtown. Let's put that in there. He shot the ball very well from three from beginning to end. But we've seen these offensive outbursts from Julius Randle. That is not the issue. Part of the issue is his hustle and his lack of attention on defense consistently night in, night out. But that's not even it. The, The biggest issue with Julius Randle right now as being the number one guy for the Knicks is it emphasizes how mediocre this team is and how capped they are from a ceiling standpoint in terms of where they can truly compete in the Eastern Conference. They are number nine in the East, and, and that is where a Julius Randle being the top dog for this team will put them. It's been four years since he's been here. The team needs to peel it back and focus on acquiring top-end talent in the NBA draft. Yes, they can try to sit around here and wait couple of years for Joel Embiid or wait for Devin Booker. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking at bringing in a Zach Levine into this mix, where is this team really going to go? The Knicks have to focus on their long-term prospects and they've got to peel it back. By the way, they spent the number eight pick on an Ob Toppin who right now has been relegated to a three-point specialist. Where is the kid from Dayton who had a much better all-around offensive game? Are the Knicks in their development plan, in their asset management plan, doing the best for Obi Toppin? Are they putting him in a position to succeed that will ultimately help this team down the road in terms of wins or acquiring better talent? Right now, that's still a big question mark, and they're running out of time to figure it out.
2: For me, it's either Obi Toppin or Julius Randle. You got to figure that out in some way, shape, or form. Trade whatever the case may be, because having them both on this roster, we've seen it's it's difficult, if not impossible, to maximize both of them on this Nick team, this Nick roster. You now, and a couple of trade notes: an ex-Nick, Nerlens Noel, uh, has gotten some interest from some teams that have been struggling with defending the rim, and Dallas and Detroit have checked in and no Noel's name came up, and also the Knicks and the Lakers had touched base on a deal that would have required a third team. I'm not sure how far they got on that, and I do think also Dallas is going to be pretty active in general in terms of making a move or two and looking for an upgrade. We'll see what the Knicks do. And again, top and Randall, you got to figure something out there. We're going to jump now to a fan question from Abraham. Uh, wants to know how much will Deuce play moving forward. I mean, to me. He's fully entrenched in that rotation. So you pencil him in for, you know, 15 minutes a night. Uh, If the Knicks start to lose games, maybe there's another adjustment uh, made by Tom Thibodeau, because, again, this team needs to win to keep uh, keep their job. Let's just put it that way. They need to win games. So I think if it's working, Deuce McBride is going to be in this rotation. I wouldn't think there's going to be any significant changes as long as the Knicks are competing night in and night out. If not, I think anything is on the table. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is you guys mentioned the, the age of this roster, the age of this rotation, rather, this is a young team. So for the Knicks band that has been wanting the team to play young guys and, and see where they go, I understand Cam Reddish, not part of the rotation. That's going to be frustrating for some. But actually, by and large, this is a young rotation that the Knicks have right now that Tom Thibodeau is giving minutes to.
3: Yeah, which is another reason why I'm not on this trade Julius Randle train um, because here's my thing, you have a young roster and with young players comes, you know, trials and tribulations and, and they have their own, you know, things that they need to work on and, you know, you, things you need to teach them. The Knicks have not always, at least Tom Thibodeau, has not always shown the patience for player development, right? So that's an issue in itself. If you trade Julius Randall and you want to go ahead and build through the draft, that's fine. But then you have to go ahead and put into motion and put into your mind rather This is not a team that's going to win games anytime soon. It's not going to be a playoff team. It's not going to be a championship team. When you bring players into the draft, unless it's the second coming of Michael Jordan that's in there, you still have to teach them. They still have to learn. They still have to know what it's like to play in the NBA. You have to rebuild that entire chemistry. So for me, I just want to know exactly what is the goal. Is it to have a young team that you're teaching and they're learning and they're growing and you're okay with not being a contender this season next season, the season after that, and you're building and you're kind of rebuilding, going back to that, or are you trying to make a splash with the pieces you do have while also trying to go ahead and prepare for the future? I think that right now the vision for this team, I don't know if anybody really knows what they're doing with it. I don't know what the vision for this team is. Is it to win now? Is it to be a playoff contender now? Is it to go ahead and run deep into the playoffs now? If that's the case, you can't move a Julius Randle. You can't move, you know, people who are consistently putting up points for this team and providing some sort of stability. If it's to go ahead and have a young unit that's going to win down the road, then, yeah, you move Julius, you move Derek, you move Evan, you move all of those guys. You build up the draft, you play or develop the play the young guys you have, but make sure you know when they're, you know, losing back-to-back games and they're in the 10th seed, they're the 11th seed, you can't say, oh, this is a failure. It's one or the other. You can't play both ends to the middle. That's that's what needs to be learned here. And I don't know if this team has figured out what their goal is. Yeah,
2: I think the the opportunity to do that, to go young, play um, young guys, and then build through the draft, that happens early on in the president of basketball operations person's tenure, GM's tenure, Leon Rose. I mean, we, we are in year three. So I think I'd be surprised if uh, James Dolan said, yeah, go ahead let's hit the reset button, Leon, you got to start this thing over and let's go young. I think they're committed to making this work and then moving forward in terms of building a a team that can win and contend from this group forward. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just how I see it. CP, what about you? You think this group is even, even going to have an opportunity to tank?
1: No, I agree with you. I I think it's it's no way but forward for them because they have to prove that uh, they they are worth their money in terms of what they were brought in here to do. And that is to ultimately land a star. Now, they had that Mm -hmm. opportunity with with Donovan Mitchell. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But my question is, who is that next person and, and how long are they going to wait But for right now? They are toiling in no man's land, and that is a dangerous place to be. I would just like for them to pick a direction, but, but I'm with you, Ian. I, I don't see them peeling it back under this regime. I think it's only, they're only going to push forward.
2: Well, the direction for you two, at least, is very clear. You're both <laughs> ascending rapidly. Really appreciate you guys coming on, talking Knicks today on The Putback. We will be back next Thursday, 1 p.m., to talk Knicks